listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. We're going to take a a cool turn today in uh, our topic, because the title today is The Kingdom Suffers Violence. And so they're going to bring the scripture up there to the front so that you can see it. Matthew chapter 12, from the days of John the Baptist, this is Jesus speaking. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom has suffered violence. Hmm. Yeah. And he says, and the violent take it by force. This is not pansy Jesus that the world likes to try to paint a picture of. Jesus was a man, okay? There came a couple times when he flipped over tables and he had no problem calling people out and say, you're a son of the wicked one. He's not walking around real soft and polite with sandals on and trying not to get footprints anyplace. He's the son of God, a man come down from heaven to earth. God in the flesh to establish and invite people into the kingdom of heaven that has existed for all of eternity, that has suffered violence. That phrase suffered uh, violence is forceful behavior intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. This kingdom has been attacked over and over and over and over. It's citizens, it's inhabitants, it's thought process, it's ideology, it's governance. Everything about the kingdom has been under attack. And you're going to see it up and close in the book of Genesis, but you're going to be able to see it also as you look over at this part of your life, you're going to be able to see it happening in your life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to jump into the Word. What a great day. Any day we get to get into the Word is awesome. Lord, I'm reminded that hundreds and hundreds of years ago, nobody had a copy of the Bible. And then through man's invention and his amazing giftings that you've given people, the printing press showed up. And then only churches and only priests had copies. Now every single one of us has access not only to paper copies, but digital copies, almost any version. We can look up any Greek and Hebrew word. It's the only book that's impacted any, any civilization and all of the civilizations, the Word of God. We thank you for it, that we can look at it, not to figure out what we believe, but to figure out what you teach so that we know how to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand and you can be seated. And we're just going to dive in. And if you weren't here last week, I got to be honest with you, you missed quite a bit. You, you missed quite a bit of unusual. You missed a deep dive in theology that we will continue on today, but there's no way I can backtrack. But I'll give you a quick recap as we go. Um, we talked last week about the fact that although there are many, many kingdoms from time past to time future, there really is only two kingdoms. And the two kingdoms consist of the kingdom of heaven, and then there is the kingdom of of the world, the kingdoms of this world. That's every kingdom, every, every nation, every small, big, large uh, democratic republic, the American kingdom fits into that, although we are very much against kingdoms because we are free people, we, so we say. And uh, every kingdom that's ever existed falls into the kingdom of this world. And so when we been, began to look at the kingdom of heaven and the fact that last week we talked about the kingdom of heaven, has always existed, and it was extended to the earth. And we read a lot of scripture that covered that, that the fact is that um, it, God has always existed, and his, his kingdom has always existed, but he extended, of all the planets, he extended an out, uh, outpost and a presence to the earth. 
happens even before the Bible starts. And we read that about when the words say in the beginning. And then we talked last week about the fact that there were unknown events that brought chaos to the earth and to God's kingdom on the earth. It actually happens between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth became without form, void. There's chaos hit, hit the earth. In between verses 1 and 2, I mean, because God doesn't create anything that is formless or void. Something happened, and so we don't know what that is. We're, that's one of those, you're on a need-to-know basis, and apparently we don't need to know the details, but it definitely gives the understanding and, and the, the framework for which we can see that the earth is older than just back to Adam and Eve because, you know, carbon dating, some, some science actually these days still is actual science. And we're able to see that there are things that are older than 6,000 years. And certainly the dinosaurs are real. They're not a hoax. That would be one heck of a hoax to try to pull off burying fake bones all around the planet. But the dinosaurs were real. There's also some civilizations that we're discovering that predate, you know, long times ago, and it fits easily into the framework of the Bible because God, as expressed here between 1-1 and 1-2 of Genesis, who knows what happened? We don't need to know. God has given us what we need to know for us for what's going on here. And then we saw um, as God began to reform and renew the earth with a kingdom presence and he establishes the, through the seven days, he reorders everything. And on the seventh day, he rests from creation. That word rest is just really a picture of peace, of perfect harmony of the earth functioning with what he's created and in harmony with him. It was a very well-oiled uh, experience and relationship as the kingdom was, was established all around and then reestablished within the Garden of Eden. Now, as I talked about last week, as man's placed there with a mandate, he's told to not fill the earth, he's told to refill the earth or replenish the earth and to take dominion over the earth. So you get the picture that Eden is in the midst of who knows what going on on its borders. And so man, it's put on earth in a perfect kingdom environment with a perfect relationship with God, all, all synced together with great peace with God all things working as God intended, and yet outside of the boundaries of that garden experience was things that Adam needed to go and fix and repopulate the earth as the scripture teaches. And so we see it be renewed. And as you get down and you look at around Genesis 1:28, after we discover that man was created in the image of God, doesn't mean he just looked like God. He literally is God's representative from heaven placed to earth. In, in the way he's wired, his triune nature matches up to the triune God, but also his role on earth as God's representative on earth is he, he is God's man. It's almost like God saying, hey, you go down there and represent me and you be who I would be, you do what I would do, you say what I would say, you accomplish what I want you to accomplish, you are my apostle. That's what an apostle is. I know that some of you might be confused by the Apostle John or the Apostle Paul. That's a strictly a New Testament word, but its overall concept has been long-reaching and far-ranging. It's to be a representative of God, a messenger for God, an ambassador of God. And I know this gets a bad rap, but I, I don't think so. A colonizer on behalf of God. A colonizer comes in to take chaos and bring order. 
And while there, there's a lot of, I'm gonna say some things today that not intentionally to offend, but I'm, I'm going there, okay, on a, in a few places, all right? So buckle up, and if you're offended, I'm apo- I apologize in the sense that my intention is never to offend anyone, but I will not back down from what scripture says. I'll never make, I don't have any opinions. Well, that's just your opinion. I don't have any opinions. My job is to share what God's word says. If I'm giving you my opinion, I will tell you. That gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 is my opinion. I told you that last week, but it allows me in the framework to understand the world picture. Um, the fact that, that man is, was to be a colonizer is, is biblical. There was chaos, and he was come down to make order. He was told to subdue the earth. Now, that's not cut down every tree, but that's not to just leave things as it is and stand naked in the trees, okay? Just, you know... I, I hear people throughout our community, and I get it. They've, where I live in Richfield, I know it was farmland. It was farmland when I moved there. It was so funny. When we first moved to Richfield in 2000 and uh, probably 13 and then built a house by 2015, there were cornfields to our house. There was cows out on the edge of the road. And then all of these neighborhoods started to pop up, and some of you live in those neighborhoods. And we had, my house, the paint was not dry on my house while this neighborhood gets started, and my daughter says, what is going on? These people need to stop. They're wrecking our little town. I was like, we just ripped a hole in the earth and placed our house here. And I've heard my neighbors back then complain about that. Sorry to pick on you, Val. She, she's moving downtown. Those houses have been there for quite a while. So, But it's, it, isn't it interesting that I don't want any development, but I'm not willing to tear my house down, Right? Interesting that supposedly the earth is going to fall off into the ocean, and yet all the people making those declarations are buying oceanfront property. Strange, very strange, okay? Sometimes if you ignore the words but watch the actions, you can discover what people are really all about. Anyways, moving on. So it says, uh, he puts man there, made in his image, and this is what he says, be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to hit that today. And fill. Actually, it's replenishes the original root word, refill. That tells you there was something before this. Refill, replenish the earth, subdue it. In other words, take control of it. Right now it's in disorder. Not the garden, but the earth. And in the process, establish my kingdom, which is more than just a, ah, it's, it's structure, it's function, it's systems. One of the amazing things that's been accomplished, even going back to Rome as terrible of a, in some aspects as that nation was, they actually made the ability for water to get to every citizen within the nation that they conquered. That idea of colonizing, while it's done imperfectly through man, when it's done through God's kingdom, has a beautiful application because God's desire is for people to have what they need in a world that fights against them having those very things. He says, have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. Well, we know that he had dominion over the animals in the garden. He named them. But apparently there was other things on the earth that were wild and unsubmitted that he was to take dominion over. Hmm, who could that be? What could that be going on? You mean the earth wasn't perfect after day seven? I would argue not. Why would you have to take dominion over something that you already have dominion over? Hmm. So moving on, uh, I want to introduce to you a couple new steps. Uh, Next, the other kingdom's king attacked the kingdom garden. We see this attack play out. Now, remember I said there's only two real kingdoms. And what you have to know is behind all the kingdoms of this world, that kingdom has been an influence 
to maintain and establish an aggressive control to keep God's kingdom from impacting the kingdom. That's not to say every ruler and every leader is the devil's man. Satan doesn't, they don't make pacts, hopefully, with the devil to rule and to reign. There's influence, there's push, there's nudge, there's budge, and then sometimes there probably is an alliance. However, the grip of the kingdoms of this world are rightfully the wicked ones, and we'll see how that happens, maybe if we get to it today, but there's always next week. But we see the attack. We see the other kingdom's king come in. But notice this, Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this is interesting, what you want to see right here is that the other kings, the other kingdom's king shows up disguised. If there's anything you'll get out of today, it's to begin to step back and recognize the thing in front of you sometimes isn't the issue. It's the ripple in the pond. The rock has been thrown in someplace else. You're trying to figure out why did they do that? What were they thinking? In fact, you're trying to find a linear uh, set of bread, uh, breadcrumbs to figure out why are these people doing this? And ultimately what I will tell you is there is a God, small g, of this world who disguises himself and has discussions and arguments and he is violent and it's very hard to see him actually at work because of the people who are standing right in front of you. The truth is, I think when you study the actual history of, of animals, that the serpent that's being spoke of here, there's two layers of it. There's the actual animal created by God that's a serpent. It's one of the animals that God created that should be in the garden, and yet the thing that's influencing this serpent, this snake, we know as the wicked one, Satan, because we read that in the New Testament. See, if only it was that obvious. If only the devil just walked into the garden and, and started to talk to Eve, he probably would, would have got a whooping from the one who had been sent to take authority over him. In fact, if it was so obvious to you what was actually going on, you would rise up and you would take authority. But because it comes in the form of your boss, maybe, who controls your paycheck, or it comes in the form of somebody who is, who's threatened you, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to reveal a secret. And we, we think the problem is the person standing right in front of us, or it's our lack of resources. We're so focused on trying to deal with that, survive that, fix that, that we fail to see that this is just the disguise of one who has come to do kingdom damage to your life. So important that you see that because we often wanna wrestle against flesh and blood. We wanna deal with the earthly facts. We wanna fix the thing that is actually not the thing. You know, you can't legislate the thing away. I just, I'm not saying that there's not good governance and we shouldn't lobby for excellent laws, but you can make whatever laws you want and the real issue, that's a ripple in the pond. And again, I'll say this, I'm all for good moral laws that affirm godly principles. I'm all for that, I, I'm after that. But at some point you have to recognize you can make whatever laws you want. The law, even in scripture, shows that all it will ultimately do is prove the, the lawbreaker and that we need God. The things that I believed before that moment that I said yes to Jesus, I would have argued vehemently. In fact, I did. I had an argument with my parents about marriage. Why would I get married? 
Why would I be with just one person? Why would I not live with them? Why would I not try this out for a few years? You know, to see if we're compatible. And all those make total sense on a natural plane. And yet, five seconds after I said yes to Jesus, I didn't hear a sermon about it. It suddenly made sense because now I had a kingdom view. And I'll explain even that topic here. And let me say this. If you walk into this place and everything doesn't line up with scripture or the kingdom principles, we love you, we're glad to see you, we embrace you, we'll help you in the journey. However, no, we won't celebrate bad behavior. We will love a person who is still participating in bad behavior, but if it's in scripture, it's in scripture. Anybody here you've ever sinned? Anybody here you've ever lied? Some of you right now. (laughs) Anybody you've ever lied? You know the excuse, I was just born that way? That's true, but it's not an excuse. We were all born sinners, and my sin is different than yours. I was born that way as no excuse for any type of sinful behavior. I don't care what it is. I had a guy this week that I was doing some coaching with, and he talks in a way that pretty much comes across, I'm a genius and all of you little people are morons. And in the dialogue with him, he was wanting to get to the next level in his career. And as I was uh, addressing this, I said, uh, hey, one thing I I would challenge you on is the way that you talk to people. For example, what you just said. I mean, we don't have to go back to yesterday. We could just take what you just said, okay? And how you said it in the tone. And he said, I just talk that way. I said, oh, well, that needs to change. He said, talk to my wife. She's been trying to change that for 30 years. How's that going? And I looked at him. I said, okay. Um, Here's the deal. If you're a fence builder, but you just build fences crooked, how's that gonna work for you? Because we need to build straight fences, right? Okay? And a man can fix that if he's willing. And I'm telling you that if you don't change the way that you talk, or I just talk that way, you need to address it and fix it because it's a crooked fence that's not gonna make you much money. I I tell you, there are more people that could get promotions at work just by recognizing their attitude. Just your attitude. Trust me, as someone who has hired people and has managed people, the attitude, you could teach anybody, well, not anybody, you could teach lots of people how to do lots of things, especially if it's in your your wiring. I mean, non-technical people are probably not gonna be designing software, apps, I get that, but whatever field you're drawn to, you could probably go to the top just with a good attitude and learning how to have good communication skills, show up five minutes early, have a smile, say yes, and then clock out about five minutes after you're supposed to, you could probably own the company by the end of the week in the market that's out there. I know a company that they put out, I'm gonna go down the business trail just for a second, okay, but this is about this. I know a company that had six people or 12 people fill out applications. They contacted all 12 of them to do an interview. Only six responded. Out of the six who said, yes, I will take a phone interview, only three picked up their phone. Out of the three, one of them found a job before the interview and never called to say he took another job. The second one showed up high to the interview, and the third one got the job just by default. Show up, have a pulse, don't be stoned. These are just <laughs> things my pastor taught me that I'm gonna teach you. We'll pass them on, okay? Is everybody still on board? Okay, is this good? Yes. All right. Pat, you all, you're, you're biased, though. You always say it's good, okay? <laughs> but you keep saying it, okay? <laughs> Louder and angrier next time. 
Okay. So, um, so we're... <laughs> Uh, oh, so he shows up and the serpent is basically in a disguise. What does he say? He says to the woman, did God actually say you can't eat of the tree of, the gar- of every garden? And then verse four in chapter three, he says, but the serpent said to the woman, you are not gonna die. Totally contrary to what God said. Serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die. So in the discussion, verse six, the woman sees the tree, good for food, delightful to the eyes. You know, there's always, there's always a reason why the thing God said no to, there's always good reasons to say yes to it. There always will be. There always will be. There's always a reason not to return your tithe to the house of God. There's always a reason why it's okay to steal that stuff at work. Actually, it makes up for the fact they're not paying you what you deserve or the fact that they didn't give you something that was, you felt you didn't get the promotion, but that moron did, and so um, I'm gonna take out some extra from the company. There's always a reason to do the wrong thing. Well, I just need to hedge my bets. Well, I'm just not getting from my, my spouse what is rightfully mine biblically so I can get that from somebody else. It's okay. Well, you, know, you don't understand the pressure I, I, I'm having, and so God understands. There's always a good reason to, to contradict the word of God. But it's always an attack on something much bigger, the kingdom in your life and who you are in the kingdom. So here's where we really dial into the suffering violence. The kingdom suffers violence. That word violence is actually biazo in the Greek, And it's a forceful behavior intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. I already told you that at the beginning. But I want you to keep that in your view because if you think that what happened in the garden was child pranks and a little bit of trickery in the afternoon, it was a vicious, violent attack. Sometimes we don't know how vicious the attack is. Violent. Especially if we don't understand the depth of the of the value, the value we hold in our hands that's trying to be ripped out of our hands. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, now this is the New Testament, and we discover here that it's actually, you know, it's the serpent, but it's really the devil who's doing the talking. It says the serpent, he was disguised, deceived Eve by his cunning. New Testament uses that phrase. But we don't have an English word to really draw the picture of the skill set of this cunning one. What, how skillful is he? It's a double-phrased Greek, or double-worded, two-word, two Greek words. Okay, get, speak English. Why are you trying to talk about Greek if you can't get English? Um, two words that actually make up this word cunning, and it's the idea of an artist. We're not talking about a novice. We're talking about high-level art, the art. I mean, this is top-tier, so to be... Um, Want, you know, you're, you're people trying to bid on the highest piece of art. It's, it's magnificent. No matter how bad it is, it's art. So it's the word art, and it's also the art of doing something with a high level of craftiness and skill. So it's not just the art of the attack, but it's the skillfulness of the attack. It is full on a master craftsman at work, and that is who Satan is. That's why the Bible says, do not be deceived because he's a master of deception. All of us will watch some magician do a trick and we know he's not actually doing what we're seeing and we're trying to figure out how is he doing that. But very rarely when something stands before us that we should know 
It's his work. Very rarely do we spend the time to try to see behind the work to see the source of the work. And ultimately, Eve missed this. There was one in the garden who was introducing for the very first time a foul smell that was contradictory to the things of God. This is the first time in the garden anything out of rhythm with the kingdom shows up, and it is subtle. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, this is fascinating, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises, that's to change your appearance. Why would he need a disguise? Because if it wasn't for the disguise, you would, you would know. I mean, if the bad guy shows up on your step and says, I'm going to break in, I'm the bad guy, get ready, here I come. He disguises himself. I've watched it. They pretend to be UPS guys knocking on the door, targeting seniors, knowing that they get that door open, they're in. Three, four guys show up and overrun the house. It's a disguise. It's evil. And there's something much greater here than just one residence and some UPS delivery. This in, in this case, is for all of the marbles of kingdom presence on the earth and for someone sent as an apostle to have a specific function on the earth for the kingdom to be robbed of their God-given destiny. Some of what's happened to you in your life is to rob you of your God-given destiny, your purpose on this earth. But thank God, Jesus came to bring us back in within reach of the kingdom. He said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, it is, certain, it is true that it is the kingdom of God has come near you. That means it's all back in play for believers as we step back in. Notice, he not only disguises himself, but he disguises himself as an angel of light. And what I thought was so fascinating, that word light is, doesn't mean like boom, a beacon. It's the idea that he's actually, the disguise he uses to make it seem like this What's happening is actually somehow in a proper way connected to God because that word light is about paying homage to God. Fascinating how many times we get suckered into stuff thinking it's, it's God. God, if this wasn't meant to be, you wouldn't be allowing this to happen. I prayed for you to send someone. This must be your answer. It doesn't look like, it doesn't line up in fact, it doesn't line up in any way, shape, or form. But if I cram it into the form, <laughs> you know, God, it must be connected to you. You know, not every opportunity is God. Not every job offer. In fact, I've watched people live, leave perfectly good jobs for more money, but it's pulled them out of their home church, away from family, away from covering, and they find themselves in a spiritual wilderness making a lot of money, but ha having no covering. And they're like a a single lamb out there in the field for all the wolves. Is this okay? Okay. Notice also that um, in, after 2 Corinthians there, 11.3, after he deceives Eve, the Bible re reveals that this is his way of, of attacking. This is his violent act. It's deception. In fact, Revelation 12.9 says he's the deceiver of the whole world. You know, there's a group of people in the world today. This is not, this is not, what do they call that? Conspiracy. There's an actual group who gathers regularly to determine the fate of the world. You understand that. And they try to have influence in the nations and almost every one of their principles is contrary to everything mentioned in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. They don't have just a different idea. That's the camouflage. 
Behind the idea is the true thing that's happening. Instead of a serpent, it's a group of very influential wealthy people trying to establish themselves as the authority of the nations. In fact, it goes on to say in Revelation 23 that he is the deceiver of what? The nations. Crazy. I knew the devil was involved with politics. Moving on, okay. Okay, this is a little bit of a long quote from a not very famous theologian, but you do know him. Um, okay, anyway, so um, this is important though. Satan's visit to the garden was not just some little opportunistic child's trick. It wasn't a prank for the day. Satan's visit was an intensely violent attack. Again, it's that forceful behavior intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. And it was an attack against the kingdom's presence on the earth. He was ruling fully prior to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And then God said, let there be mm. And his territory was now invaded again. God began to reestablish his kingdom on the earth. And that is what is in play, not somebody's fruit tree. It's not what it's about. It's not about your girlfriend or it's not about that money. I mean, does God really need a dime from you? No. This is about the kingdom. It's about a bigger picture. It's about you and I stepping out of the, the control of the wicked one, saying yes to Jesus and becoming citizens of the kingdom. And as Adam was an apostle, you becoming an apostle as you were destined to be from your conception. That the same mandate that Adam has, you and I have. That we are to, to multiply, to fill the earth, to take dominion over every creeping thing. And to establish his kingdom here on earth. We are apostles, every single one of us in here. And we think we're just trying to balance our, our checkbook. No, sir. At all, not at all. Well, I think I'll have kids. I wonder what they'll look like. You're giving birth to an apostle. That child that's driving you nuts is an apostle to the nations. They can't figure out how to tie their shoes and yet someday they're gonna stand in positions of influence to establish the kingdom of God. I don't want to bring a child into this world. This world is so wicked. That's why we want to raise children in this world, to invade the darkness with light. Stop having the enemy whisper in your ear. The world's going to get my kids. My response is, watch out, world. My kids are coming. Look at my little grandkids. Man, you don't want to mess with any of them. You don't want to mess with a little girl. I'll be, you'd be sure of that. That one. The thing that drives you most nuts about your child is the thing that the God has formed within them that he will use for the kingdom. They're stubborn. No, they're strong. You need to channel that. Man, I'm getting way off on my... Man, I'm not even getting to the main meat of my message. It's all introductory. I am so bad at this. I'm gonna have to take a preaching class. <laughs> I, there's one in the internship. I'm gonna be taking a pre... Oh, good. Improvement's coming. Okay. Um, it's an attack against the kingdom's presence on the earth. It's also an attack against the, against the kingdom's apostolic leader. This is not Adam and Eve running around their cartoons with fig leaves. This is God's man and this God's woman to lead his movement on the earth. What's really going on here? I know you don't see yourself in that light. 
But if I have anything to do with it, you will. If I have anything to do with it, you'll look in the mirror after you've said yes to Jesus and say, I'm looking at a man of God, called by God to do great things on God's behalf. I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected. I'm being filled with his spirit. I am facing struggles, but he will empower me to win in his name. I don't have everything I need, but he does. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's going to help me to thrive in every arena of life. I'm not just going to succeed in church. That's not the goal. I'm going to succeed in the marketplace. I'm going to succeed in my business. I am going to succeed in raising this child who has been difficult. I am going to succeed in my marriage. I don't care what the past says. I'm now in the kingdom, and the kingdom says to rise up, to replenish, to subdue the earth, to take dominion, to take your rightful place, literally on the throne of the life God has given you. That's it. You are an apostle but you're under attack. And as you take a look at this, you begin to see what's really at play, not just getting you to mess up a little bit, but it's to tear down an apostle meant to thrive in a garden, the garden called your life. It's an attack against not only the apostolic leader who is the representative, messenger, ambassador, colonizer, king by proxy, but against a kingdom citizen, all of the kingdom citizens. You know, if you can get Eve, you're gonna get her children. As goes the leader, so goes the followers. Man, you know what? I, I understand this. I mean, there's a, a target on me. Not that I'm any more important, but if you can get the leader, then you got access to the group. That's just how it goes. I mean, if I don't read the word of God, if I don't have the presence of God in my life, you could probably, certainly you could still experience that, but why would you be here? I mean, if there's false doctrine in my life, it's gonna bleed onto your life. If there's immorality in my life, even though you can't see it, it will bleed onto you. It's like smoke from the wood fire pizza place. Just being around me, it'll get on you. That's why we get around Jesus. So what he's got gets on us. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we sing, because that is how it all comes together. Worship team's gonna come, and I'm gonna finish reading this just real quick. And no, I didn't get to my seven points. They were so good. Don't, don't put them up on the screen. Take me back to the previous screen. That's the seven points, isn't it? Yeah, here. Let me finish this. But you saw, did anybody see him? Like, did you take a picture of it? Oh, wait till we hit it. I thought we were gonna wade into the bushes today. I thought, I, I thought we were gonna get controversial today. I guess we'll have to wait till next week. All right, okay. It's not controversial. It's the word of God. God created them male and female. That's why there's such an attack on that. And some of you are mad at individuals who are confused with that or people who are propagating that. And There is a dealing for that, but you've got to see the big picture. Why is there even an attack on that? Because it's an attack on kingdom identity. If I don't know who I am, and maybe I'm somebody that I'm not, man, you'll never find your way to being the son of God or daughter of God that he's called you to be. Anybody here, you've ever been insecure? Yeah, all the time, right? However, I will tell you, that when you find yourself in him, you'll stand tall, imperfections and all, and be confident. Why? Because of all things, I am a son of the living God. I am a man of God. Imperfect, but being perfected. I don't need to do the spiel again, do I? Who said that? <laughs> we'll work on our timing with stuff there, Pat. Nope. Meatloaf's in the oven. <laughs> I'm joking. John did that one time and he came up and he said something from the audience and he was worried it came out 
incorrectly, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's hilarious. It's great. I love, we're a family. It's feedback, right? But don't you say anything about the 49ers, and we will whoop you outside out there. No, no, no. I'm saying we're not, we don't like the 40. Don't mention their name in here. They're the 48ers in my book. They're going home today. What happened to your Seahawks? It's a building season. I got to stop. Stand with me. You read all the stuff on the screen. You don't need me to read anymore, do you? I'll finish it, okay. Since you demanded, since Pat was demanding. It's an attack not only on kingdom citizens. Man, you know, you know, some, you know why I want to be a phenomenal Christian man? Because I want my kids, and now it's, you know, if anybody can tell you my flaws, they can. But I'm not trying to hide them. I'm trying to be, be authentic and allow God to fix them. Remember, one of my children used to say, you are the worst human being on the planet. I'm like, really, the worst? The worst? That's true, you're homeschooled. You don't know anybody else but us. Okay, so I get it. You can take this. I want, to be an, I want to be the best I can be to inspire my children, my grandchildren, to inspire you, not as your pastor, but as a brother in Christ. That's what this attack was on. We can break down the image bearer and reduce the strength of image. We can lower the water bar, the watermark. Greatness will no longer be shot after because it's unachievable. It's an attack against the mission on earth to subdue it. It's an attack on having dominion over every living thing, including Satan. Some of you, you, you've been kicked around by Satan so much, you think that that's a part of the journey. It is not. Trials come, and we overcome them. Well, God can, I can glorify God while I'm suffering. Yes, but a lifetime of suffering is, it can happen, and if that's, I just know that most of what we would call suffering can be overcome for most of us. It's an attack on taking dominion over every living thing, Satan, that moves on the earth, not just within Eden, but all over the earth. And ultimately it's an attack against the king himself. It's the same violent attack and you are Adam. You are Adam. This is an attack against you. You hold the exact same position in this world. It's an attack on the kingdom being built on the ground that you stand on. It's time to rise up and start, stop fighting the ripples that hit the shore and go to the source, what's behind the disguise, and deal with it then first. God will help you to do that, okay? If you've yet to say yes to following Jesus, I'd recommend that you, do, you strongly urge, highly encourage. Let me just make a suggestion, this is valuable. It'll be earthly, tremendous value, but you're gonna find eternal value because all of us will stand someday before God, guilty of sin, and yet Jesus came to pay for our sin. So either Jesus can pay for your sin on the cross, and it's already done, or you can pay for your sin eternally. It's your choice. I would strongly recommend to you to let the one who loves you and can pay it, your, pay your way. Say yes to Jesus. 
And you can do that right in your seat this morning. You can just say, Jesus, I don't know all what I'm asking, but I will follow you. That's all you have to say. Just make up your mind. I'm gonna follow you and you're gonna help me figure it out, okay? Let me pray for you. You don't have to bow your head or close your eyes. Lord, I, I look at some great people, people that I know, friends that I've gone on vacation with, got calls of reference for jobs, told them if they didn't hire you, they were crazy. Got friends in this place I've done business with to help lead the church, some people I don't know in the room, looking at some people who are phenomenal business people, people who are models in the house of God, people who are got a great destiny ahead of them, remarkable, trophies in the house. Lord, I don't have time to name every single one of them. People who are fighting, taking ground, people who are doing some right things. God's blessing them. People who are fighting, even when everything looks bleak. God, we say yes to you. Today, I say fresh today, I will, I will follow you. Come what may I, though all forsake you, I will follow. How can I not? You've been so good. I say yes again, we all say yes. Father, you're gonna help us, fill us with your spirits. We sing this final song together. Father, just cement these truths in our heart. Help us to understand that we're not just a random face in the crowd. We are kings and queens sent as your apostles to establish the kingdom on this earth. And if you called us to do something, you will equip us to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 